Hello, I'm Chris Hudson and welcome to FIS's Freight and Quality Podcast on Wednesday the 4th of May. I hope those who had the long weekend holiday enjoyed it, especially those celebrating Eid. And with these holidays, it's been a little quieter on markets recently. And that's not to say we don't have anything to talk about this week. And so on this week's podcast, we have a quick update on the dry freight oil and tanker FFA markets, as well as a little bit more of a focus on shipping carbon emissions. In the news this week, there's been a lot of talk about windfall taxes. With BP announcing its best underlying quarterly profits in more than 10 years, this has stoked calls for taxes on this wealth to help deal with the growing cost of living and also the environmental damage their business does. Italian Prime Minister Mario Draghi unveiled a 14 billion euro economic support package to help vulnerable families, businesses and investment projects cope with the surging commodity prices and will increase a new windfall tax on energy company profits to fund these measures. Germany has been spurred into action to step up its divestment from Russian oil as the EU looks to implement a phased embargo on Russian oil exports. And continuing on the energy front, it's expected that India will increase its coal production after the supply crunch prompted fears for the country's energy security, with the ratings agency CareEdge estimating that India will mine more than 800 million tonnes of coal this financial year. But what have we seen on the indexes week on week? Well, this is Tuesday, the 26th of April versus yesterday, the Tuesday, the 3rd of May. Cape size 5TC has seen a slight fall there, ending 17,804 yesterday. Panamax 4TC, uh, a slight increase, 25,255, having been 24,937. Supermax 10TC, a slight increase there, 29,858. It was 30,058 yesterday closing. Uh, on the iron ore, there was no index because of a holiday, but uh, if you look, take Friday's index, uh, 13895, it was uh, the Tuesday before on the 26th, and now 14235 on Friday. So a slight increase there as well. Increases in the uh, crude. Uh, We've seen Brent move from 104.60 to 105.81, although slightly higher in between those dates. And the Sing.5%, the uh, very low sulfur fuel oil, 775.85 increasing there as well, no surprise, uh, with crude movement. On the tankers, we've seen some large movements here, uh, though down on the uh, TD3C, uh, down to 45.70. TC2, however, 316.39 it was last week, 314.72 now, so a large increase there. Uh, And the same is true on the TC5, 232.80. It was now 297.50. And we're seeing a resurgence in the uh, European emissions prices. The EUAs, as compulsory European European Union market, uh, was last week 82.71 and now 88 euros 19. But first, let's focus a bit on the shipping industry and emissions, and especially with respect to EU waters. Uh, I have in front of me Regitza Sederfeld de Siemensen, who's a new starter at FIS and who's finishing a master's at the International Business from the Copenhagen Business School, and who has obviously a background in shipping and environmental stuff and studying environmental topics with respect to that as well. So very nice to have you on. And I guess, first of all, it's just a reminder to everyone that this is something that's happening next year. What is it? And I guess, when is it happening? Yeah, so the EU ETS system is already in place. However, the European Commission has proposed to include shipping in it, really to align with the Paris Agreement. Um, So you know that shipping accounts for estimated 3% of the world's CO2 emissions, so we have a high high market here. Um, So, so far uh, the EU has uh, proposed to gradually include shipping from 2023 to 2026, starting from 20% and then it's going to be 100% in uh, 2026. 
Um, but it is still not uh, finalized, so they still need to take the final vote on it. It's probably going to be around June, uh, so it's still exciting to see. Uh, some people think it's still going to be proposed, um, but let's see. Um, so what is it going to cover? It's going to cover 50% of voyages starting from non-EU ports to non to EU ports and 50% of uh, EU ports to non-EU ports. And then you're going to have 100% from uh, voyages within the EU and 100% for port stays within the EU. And it's going to be regardless of the flag that the vessel is uh, sailing under and where the owner of the vessel is located, that doesn't really matter, uh, as long as the vessel is uh, having a port stay within the EU. Um, the main discussion here is who's going to pay for it, who's going to take the cost. Um, so you have the owner on the one side who's responsible for the vessel, uh, the main engine whatsoever, but then you have the charter, you have the operator who is really responsible for the um, uh, speed consumption of the vessel and also where the vessel is calling, the ports is going to. Um, and uh, yeah, the who's responsible for the port or the, um, where the vessel is going to, and within the agreed uh, charter party, of course, but that's really uh, out of the hands of the owner. It also makes it difficult for the owner, um, because they are not really able to tell which speed and consumption the vessel is going to uh, be sailing on. So, so far we already see clauses where owners are trying to pass on responsibility to the charters and the owners for this cost, um, so that's probably what's going to, to happening, but uh, ultimately, no matter what, the cost is going to end up at the consumer level. Um, that is probably what's going to happen. I don't know, there's been a lot of arguments to and from some people saying this, some people saying that. It does seem that uh, it's fairly set, and then there was a leaked version from the EU that it was going to pin this onto uh, charters, so all the charters out yes. there, get yourself clued up. Exactly. going forward because this is going to be uh, happening next year. Yeah, and that's also, if you think about it, probably what makes the most of sense because, as I just said, the owners, they are not really able to, it's out of their hands, the speed consumption that the vessel is normally going at. So it would also be unfair, you would say, that they pay, pay the whole cost. Next, let's take a look at the dry freight market. And Kerry, this past week was a, a little quieter than usual, I think it's fair to say. Definitely a little quieter than usual. The CAPES continued to receive support from decent iron ore and coal demand. As a result, rates gradually firmed up across the past week. Iron ore shipments advanced above 31.8 million tonnes, with a weekly 8.4% increase. Brazil, among the top exporters, ramped up 32.5% and hit the 8 million tons level after a notable increase on the previous week. Moreover, activities out of South and West Africa also picked up with increasing inquiries for mid-May dates. On the receiver side, China still maintained its gradual and for now seemingly sustainable growth in iron ore demand, despite uh, escalating COVID lockdowns in a number of the provinces. I think we need to watch this space. But uh, in particular, market sources said there were high interests noted on the Indonesia to India route. Uh, this is normally carried by Panamaxes, but, uh, but has been shifting over to Capes over the past weeks and months. Uh, this is helping to boost rates in the Pacific, along with a brief rush to fix at the end of last week from West Australia before the Chinese holidays kicked in this week. In the Atlantic, rates were still comparably lower as the supply of vessels still outweighed demand. Although Brazil shows some signs of recovering over the past weeks, uh, as I just mentioned, uh, and that has lifted up sentiment somewhat. 
Last week, trips from PDM to Qingdao were fixed just below $26 for 16 to 25th May dates. And from Tuberao to Qingdao uh, was heard being fixed at $24.5 to $24.80 for 11.20 May dates. On paper, this improving sentiment did not show much, though, until the start of this week when we finally saw some strong gains. Despite a relatively slow start to the week due to the Asian holidays from the opening bell yesterday, the derivatives market was awash with bids as the curve lifted throughout the morning session. Yesterday's BCI was considerably lower than the market expected, I think, but this did little to dampen that enthusiasm. The June continues to be in quite a strong contango on those capes, trading 33.625 this morning on FIS Live, while Q3 sits at 37,000 value. Panamax has edged lower last week amid a slow-moving grain market and lack of fresh support from Asia. Mixed views were held on the Atlantic market. As some said positive signs were emerging, a floor was starting to emerge for the front haul trips. Australian and Indonesian coal demands, the main support for Panamaxes in the Pacific, have come off from their previous peaks, though. Fixtures in the Atlantic were done at similar levels to the previous week, including North Coast, South America, Redelivery, Scott, Barcelona range at 27,000. And in the South East Coast, South America, redelivery Far East was seen fixed between 26,000 down to 25,000 range. In Asian markets, those pack round trips fell below 22,000 for late April dates for the first half of the week before the holidays in China started to impact activity. Later in the week, a trip from East Coast to Australia, redelivery India was paid at 25,000, and a cargo with grains from Australia to Red Sea was heard at 23,000. The paper on the Panamaxes was a bit more volatile than the Capes, falling last week before finding support this week on FIS Live this morning. The June is sitting at 28.625 value, while Q3 is sitting at 28,600. There's never a dull moment in the oil markets of late. As the post-Cold War geopolitical playbook has been thrown out every day, it seems like the oil market is dealing with a new development, with many unsure about the impact. But here's Ricky Foreman from our oil desk. And Ricky, there are a lot of questions and not many answers in this uh, market. Oil back above 100 bucks again, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, uh, this morning we're trading um, around the 108 and a half levels. Um, we're a couple of percent up on the day. Um, it is feeling as though the market is range bound at the moment. We seem to be bottoming out just below the hundred dollar uh, level. Um, due to mainly headline news concerns about uh, Chinese demand uh, due to the COVID uh, cases. Um, but we've also seen a lot of funds and uh, stops being implemented around those levels, which is why almost immediately we have seen the market tick back up, um, you know, above that $100 mark. Um, from the technical um, point of view, we do seem to be stuck in that range bound between the 100 and the 109. So it is going to take something... Uh, fundamentally to obviously um, explode um, below or above uh, those levels. Um, my feeling is that we will start to uh, trend higher um, as things uh, continue throughout the year. And there's been obviously quite a heavy-handed approach in terms of draconian measures to deal with COVID in China, which started well and now there's the problem of getting out of that. But one of those other factors potentially facing this market, which, you know, as you have pointed out, we are opening this is going to go higher, that you could actually see sanctions from the EU. It might be phased in and, and not have a kind of immediate effect, but that is a concern in terms of supply for Russian crude, which is a, a large oil producer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the only way that um, 
you know, these sanctions get tightened against Russia is by hitting their energy um, supplies. We've already seen uh, Germany's reliance um, on their um, on their energy dropping from 35% down to about 12%. Um, and I think there's a gradual, um, well, the plan is a gradual phasing out of, um, you know, the Russian uh, dependency on, on, on energy by the end of this year. Um, obviously, we've got a couple of countries within the bloc that um, might cause a little bit of problems with regards to that, um, because they are so heavily, re- um, you know, reliant on on Russian energy. But I think the majority of them, um, as we move throughout this year, uh, we'll see we'll see those markets moving away from that that reliance on Russia. Yeah, big political struggle in Germany as someone who gets thirty five percent of its gas or supplies from Russia. So uh, a big political decision to make for those guys over there. Yeah, absolutely. And then finally, I'm sure that you've had a lot of people say to you, well, with oil at these levels so high, what is the point in either you know, trading, hedging at these levels? Because it's so high, I've only got downside. Well, well, technically no, because we've got support levels around the $100. Um, $100. Um, and the other thing is obviously we are expecting um, to test these new highs again. So... Um, you know, if, if we take the, the Russian supply out of the market and the impact that has on Europe, um, you know, we've seen markets, um, certainly on, on the gas side of things, explode to record highs. Um, and as these sanctions um, get stronger, I, I think it's very logical that we uh, see the, the, oil, the oil and gas complex across the board start to tick up. Um, for those uh, uh, that believe that we're already at very high levels, um, I think the, the best example... Um, of of that is when when obviously the the war initially broke out at the end of February uh, and the Brent uh, jumped to one hundred and eighteen dollars a barrel um, by close on the Friday and then we've come into work on the Monday and um, the market had opened up at one hundred and thirty nine dollars a barrel. Um, it's not something anyone can really foresee or legislate for, but whilst you've got the hedging tools there to mitigate that kind of risk, um, you know I think anybody that is prudent. Um, and does have any longer-term exposure, um, I certainly wouldn't want to be uh, gambling uh, in this market as it currently is. And I guess all that's to remain is to probably use one of your great catchphrases on this kind of thing. Hedge and move on. Absolutely. Safest play. There's finally some life back in the Tanker FA market, with rates whipping around with questions over producers' ability to provide for recovering demand and potentially replacing a significant amount of Russian oil exports. I've got Alex MacArthur here, our tanker FFA broker, to shed a bit more light on what we are seeing in this market. So, Alex, it, the life's back into it. We're actually seeing some movement in rates. Indeed, yes. As you uh, as you mentioned, there are plenty of things to discuss in regards to the tanker market currently. Um, COVID and the Ukraine invasion, obviously, shaping a new landscape in regard to oil oil demand and supply at the moment, um, which obviously has a huge effect on the tankers. Uh, it's been a positive start uh, across the board for tanker owners uh, this year. Re- reading a report yesterday saying that um, sort of a basket of shipping MR-based stocks up almost 48% um, in Q1, which after sort of a couple of years of uh, tough returns is, is, is positive to see for owners. There's a few, a few drivers behind um, sort of why these rates have started going higher, obviously um, then having an effect on the time charter equivalent that these... Um, these tankers are then receiving. Um, so as sort of trade routes change in regard to sort of COVID demand and supply and um, people sort of scrambling to to find where they can replace both crude and refined products from Russia, um, we're sort of starting to see CTAL miles improving. 
Um, if people can't sort of get these products from Russia, they need to source them elsewhere. And uh, we're sort of starting to see these as longer voyages, which um, more sea ton miles, more demand for tankers, rates are going to go up. Um, in combination with this, we've seen uh, an improvement in, in demand from Latin America, which has had a big, big effect on the US Gulf market, uh, particularly TC14, the MRs there. Um, as well as sort of COVID cases in China continuing to increase has actually then seen China as now a bigger exporter of their um, refined products. So although it's had a negative effect on, on dirty imports and the VLCC market, um, it's actually had a positive effect on the clean tankers as they're now starting to export the, the sort of gasoline and diesel that they are no longer um, consuming domestically. Um, in combination with this, we've seen um, the gasoline arbitrage working um, in regard to US imports. So we're starting to see a huge amount of gasoline being shipped from Europe over to, over to the US, um, as well as in combination with this Latin American demand. It means TC2 and TC14 have both had sort of an incredible last couple of months after sort of two years in the doldrums. So it's, um, it's good to see for owners, particularly on the clean side, um, sort of more specifically, TC2 at the start of this month was sort of based around in the spot market, sort of world scale 190. We're now seeing that valued at world scale 315. So that's a sort of a, a huge increase there, which sort of equates from $25,000 a day up to sort of now $40,000 a day on the MR Atlantic basket, um, which is sort of, huge and positive uh, returns for owners. Um, TC14, we saw sort of the start of this month trading at well scale 220 before within a week, uh, I mean, more than doubling. Um, well scale 450 went on subs for a TC14 run, which that I saw, I worked in Houston for two years and I didn't really see rates get over 120. So it's a um, good time for me to leave and now get in the FFA market. Um, the market has now sort of recovered back to 150 levels um, and then sort of closer now to 200. And, and um, with the way that the market's looking at the moment, it looks like these rates are going to push on. So um, in regards to FFAs, we're then obviously seeing more people getting involved in trading on the clean side, whereas um, sort of traditionally TD3C, the main dirty route, has been the most traded product. Um, we've sort of seen that a bit quieter recently with um, sort of volume still not returning to sort of pre-COVID levels. Um, but again, ton miles there are sort of starting to improve as people try and replace the crude that they um, were previously importing from Russia. So, And, and your feeling on, the, on this market is with all those changes that are happening, with all the questions over where people are going to be getting things from, do you sense that this is not just a flash in the pan, that this is going to be something of a sustained period of, of better rates generally across the market? And also that actually a lot more of these other routes and, and differences are going to start to see a bit more activity. Yeah, exactly that. Um, I mean, I don't, I, don't this, this, I don't see this issue being resolved anytime soon. Um, people are going to be scrambling where, as to where they can get both crude and refined products from now that sort of one of the larger players has been taken out of the game. Um, and I think this is only really positive for owners. So um, I think I think these sustained rates are going to be seen for um, quite some time. Yeah, yeah. particularly and that with with things now also supporting that that have always been fundamental in the market with sort of U.S. driving season coming up, um, which is a huge driver for TC2 um, capacity in the U.S. And Pad Three is already at ninety five percent utilization. So they've got to get this diesel and gasoline from somewhere. Um, 
and uh, it's exciting to see where. And it's not just in the West, in the East as well, TC17 and TC12 are both sort of trading at 400, 300 levels, which is the highest we've seen in some time. So um, it's not just a, a sort of um, focused issue, it's uh, sort of global, um, as everyone knows. So um, yeah, positive for owners, and uh, I, um, I, think, I think this will uh, continue for quite some time. Yeah, and the USB of uh, the kind of nature of the tanker market is there's a lot more of that kind of spot business and, and differences are happening, unlike in the dry where you have quite set roots. So it seems that this is really gonna take off for them. Exactly right, and and that's exactly what we look for to trade FFAs is these huge changes in price. So cool. uh, Fun times ahead in the FFA market. Indeed, indeed. That's it for this week on our Freight and Commodity podcast. If you wanna stay up to date with everything that's happening in this space, then sign up for our at FIS Live or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, but have a great end to your week. <laughs>